is on its way to being ready to host the Olympic Games, says European Olympic Committee's President Patrick Hickey. Hickey spoke with Around the Rings editor Ed Hula just hours before the closing ceremony of the first European Games on June 28th. Hickey says the experience convinces him that the Azerbaijan capital city has what it takes to launch a competitive bid for the Olympics again. Baku has bid twice before. And he talks about the bidding process underway to find a host for the 2019 edition of the European Games. It's a search Hickey and his colleagues at the EOC had hoped would be finished before Baku 2015. Hickey has the highest praise for Baku, which was handed the job of hosting the Games just 30 months ago. He says the attitude and spirit of the people of Baku in Azerbaijan had an Olympic feel to it. That Olympic spirit crept into the city and the country and uh, you could feel the joy and happiness around Baku and I believe that extended into the, the rest of the country as well. And um, there's no doubt they have Olympic ambitions. That's why they have such beautiful stadia. And with Agenda 2020, they'll be able to negotiate with the IOC as, as the other cities are, have done who are going to bid for 2024. I'm not saying they're bidding for 2024. I don't know which they'll go for. That's the decision that they will make. But you think they're capable at some point in the future of doing it? 100% capable. Not today. Uh, to run the, well, no, they, if they bid for 2024, they will be capable for 2024. And... Uh, I had an experience there at the opening ceremony. I think there were 60 IOC members present, and they were astounded at what they saw. And they had never been exposed, to most of them, to Baku before. So they created a goodwill, and the way they have done everything. But we all know bidding and winning is two completely different things. What is this experience in Baku going to do to your efforts to secure 2019? Host for the European Games. Well, it's helped it greatly. Um, when the Netherlands uh, fell by the wayside, we then went back to the original cities that we had dealt with, and we had purposely told them we would not have a bidding process, and that they would not have to expend money, etc. And two of them had already committed for 2023, and we then went back to those two to bring them forward to 2019. And then we also reconnected with the others. But to ask, answer your question, since the game started here 17 days ago, and since it's up and running two cities now, I've met already here the representatives who are interested in looking for 2019. So you're looking at how many potential candidates? Seven. From all over Europe? or From all over Europe. And what Well, Europe is 50 nations, Ed. So from the 15 nations, seven. You mean geographically? Yes. Geographically, um, it could, yeah, it could mix. And why can't you say which cities they are? The reason is, and we said this eight years ago, because that starts a, a media campaign and spotlight on those cities that they don't want and that they don't require. And we said we will never go in. Don't forget, we, we did all this before Agenda 2020 came out. And um, we had were determined not to have the razzmatazz of bidding and costs, etc. And okay, we can say that when we took we took a gamble when we said we'll go with Netherlands, and then we'll stop speaking to the others. 
When we told the others we would stop speaking with them, they were more than happy that it hadn't caused them a, a red cent. And uh, But the gamble was that uh, uh, Netherlands subsequently had political troubles in the country uh, of a pol- political nature for finance. So in one way, you're not guaranteed, and in the other way, you have to be reasonable in what you promise, etc. So our process is working very well. We're negotiating privately. And we will have an excellent city by the end of this year. I was going to say, what is next in the process? Are you going to visit the cities? Or are you going to we, engage we, in more substantial discussions? We, we've had, we've had uh, meetings here with five of the seven. And we've started the ball rolling. And a process, it'll slow down now because everyone's taking a break after uh, these games. And then August is it, July, August are traditional holiday months in Europe. So nothing will happen until September, and then it'll be intensified in September, and we would hope to have everything cleared by uh, the end of the year. The financial model for these games here in Baku required a great deal of support from the government. Is that what's going to be expected from subsequent hosts? No, because the financial model of the Netherlands, if it had gone forward, was a completely different model. It was a cheap and cheerful games. And we've always said that one city is a completely different entity to the next, and we will tailor-make the games for that particular city. Like, for example, we did that with sports. We had karate here, which is a very strong sport locally. We had sambo, which is very strong locally. And uh, the next city might have a different agenda of sports on the program. So we will fit it in with what is good for them. Uh, as one of the considerations for the next city, will you deal with human rights issues at all? Will you consider that, given the attention that it gets from your neighbors across Europe? It's an issue that does have some resonance. Absolutely it does. And, um, well, it's got to the stage now, it looks like if you pick any city for anything, there's some sort of controversy uh, coming forward, whether it's human rights or whether it's financial or whether it's uh, city governments, uh, that sort of thing. But um, what I'm trying to uh, emphasize is that with these human rights uh, issues, an issue has blown up that this is a European Union thing. And I keep emphasizing the European Union is only 28 uh, nations. We're 50 nations. And... I'm elected by the 50, and every one of those 50 nations has the full right to bid for and to run the games. And we don't have to listen to a mantra from Brussels as to how we uh, operate and how we respect our activities. And we're sick and tired of the politicians asking us to uh, deliver for them on all these issues. And they are extremely hypocritical. I was at a meeting here six months ago where they opened the uh, Southern Isle Corridor and the amount of representation from the European Union here looking for business on oil and gas and looking for oil off the pipeline and I was astounded. I was only here as a, I was only here as a speaker about the games. I wasn't involved in any of the business activity. But then we appeared in the European Parliament in Brussels a few weeks ago and uh, were attacked on the human rights issue 
and I threw it back at them. Well, I had the figures with me about the trade between the EU and Azerbaijan, and I said, why don't you get your politicians, you are the politicians of Europe, you know, why do you want us to do your dirty work? Why don't you stop trade with Azerbaijan? Well, so it's two-faced. Shifting back from politics to sports, now that you've had these games, what kind of impact do you think they will have on European sport, Olympic sports in, in oh, Europe? Oh, I think it's a great impact. I've seen it already. Um, uh, I was attending here the uh, press conference for judo, and they had a Hungarian female athlete uh, on the podium, and she was world champion, and she'd never been to an Olympics yet. And she was asked, what did she like about this games? And she said, I cannot believe living in an Olympic village with my other Hungarian sportsmen and women. I've never done anything like this before. It's fantastic. Second thing is that uh, so many countries have won medals here. And uh, remarkable things have happened. Badminton, for example, is a sport dominated by Asia. And my own country, Ireland, won two bronze medals here. Now, what that does for badminton in my own country and in Europe, and there's been many examples of that with other NOCs as well, and there's a feel-good factor, uh, everybody living together. Most, they all have European championships, but you never meet anyone outside your own sport. And uh, every chef de mission I met, every president, secretary general, they love the atmosphere and they love the whole operation. You had a very, probably, special moment, if I can use that phrase, when you awarded the medals to your countrywoman. I did. Katie Taylor. I did. In boxing. Uh, she is probably the, the, the leading athlete at these games. Her, yeah, her, herself and Nicola Adams. Uh, the two of them won gold in London. And Katie, I had the great honor and privilege to give her the gold medal in London. And uh, it was a fantastic honor and privilege to give her the gold medal again. Yes, she's a phenomenal champion. She's a world champion four times, Olympian once, European champion uh, five times, and now European Games champion. So it was great honor to be there. Greatest living athlete in Irish? Right Abs now. Absolutely, absolutely. She's a heroine and the whole nation is in love with her and they adore her. She's such a modest young lady uh, and she's a beautiful. She's unlike uh, most physique of boxing. She could be on the front of Vogue magazine as a model and uh, she's the greatest representative of the youth of Ireland and uh, we adore her. And what do you, what do, you do after these games here to unwrap, unwind or relax? I have, a, I, I have a tradition and I do it after the Olympic Games and I do it after this Games. I'll go out to an island off the west coast of Ireland called Clare Island, five, five miles out into the Atlantic Ocean, no police on the island, a bar and a hotel that stays open 24 hours a day, no communications and chill out. Again, that was Patrick Hickey, president of the European Olympic Committees. Be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening. <laughs>